morning and happy Saturday, you guys. It is Amanda and Baron with Kicking Cancer Cares on KSLM Radio, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM. And we are so glad you joined us. <laughs> Sorry, you, I got a little into that one. You just have more fun with that every single week, don't you? <laughs> yes. Huge shout out to our sponsor of this first half, which is Oddmo's Pizza. Absolutely amazing, you guys. I actually just had a pepperoni pizza, just a basic one recently. Yeah, and you like a it? A phenomenal. So yeah. you can't go wrong with anything you choose from there. Nothing. The deep dish, the green monster, just basic pepperoni. So delicious. And then their potato poppers, of course. So, you guys, if you have not checked them out, definitely go stop by and get some lunch or dinner. Well, and I have a treat for you next week when it comes to Odmo's. They have a vegan cheese. Oh. I don't know if that's a treat, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, we just need to eat it because I'm, I'm not even sure what's a good... And then we're going to do we're gonna do a meat... I wonder if it tastes the same. That's what I want to find out, too. Okay, I'm it's intrigued. Hard, it's hard to imagine how cheese can be vegan. And I'm such a huge cheese person that it's really difficult for uh, me to... When they told me they had it, I said, i got to bring that for a man right. because a cheese person. Yes. So. Okay, well, we have a really, really special guest in you studio You've been waiting us. for a while to meet this gentleman, Yes, so this is Dave Wentz. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, so we're going to get into Dave's story here in a little bit, but... Before we get too far along, Dave, can you just let the listeners know, um, what did you do here in town for, for years? How People that go into chamber know you, but how would the listeners know you? Um, I started as a food stamp uh, eligibility worker and then became a case manager for adult and family services. I transferred to senior and disabled services as a case manager and then I worked with nursing homes for a while and went back and got my uh, uh, another master's degree and uh, got a job as a director of a hospital in uh, DeKalb, Illinois. After our, my contract was bought out, I came back here and I became active with the Disabled American Veterans and I was elected as a commander and within three months of that, I got elected to the as the uh, uh, vice commander of the entire DAV for the state of Oregon. Wow! So, and I tried to get the word out as much as I could about benefits that are available to veterans, particularly veterans um, afflicted with um, Agent Orange, because a lot of those. Um, were uh, coming down with various forms of cancer. And uh, I was fighting the VA trying to get different forms of cancer recognized as being presumptive el- uh, eligibility for disabled vets. We're going to get more into that because I, I didn't know that's what you did. I mean, I, so I met Dave five years ago when I started getting cancer. I was going to Greer's. Dave was going to Greer's. That's how I met Dave. I didn't know all that that you did. But I did some investigating, you know, not let that grass right. grow, right? Um, so it's intriguing what I found in relationship to what you did, Dave. That's a, you did a long line of different things. Um, what I got out of that is you're a giver. You like to serve the people. Yeah, I, 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 I do. You know, I, I had my little bout in, in the business sector, and I went to school and, and picked up my an MBA out of Kansas. And I came out here... That, and I worked for General Electric Credit, uh, overseeing first Smith's home furnishing accounts, and then I oversaw their uh, leasing of uh, uh, jets to United Airlines. 
and I just hated it. So I decided <laughs> business was not for me. <laughs> so I went back and got it and got another master's in, in education so I could substitute teach until I found something else. So I did that, and then I got into uh, the welfare department, and I liked it. And then I got into the uh, dealing with the nursing homes, and I liked that a lot. And so that's how I, come, I became uh, a hospital director. Um, in between there, whenever I first, you know, I, I, it's kind of a uh, well. I started school, I, I, I was born in Florida, and I went to New Jersey is where I grew up at mostly from the time I was about four years old. I graduated high school and I went to Brown University, and I was at Brown at 15, and everybody else was 19, 20 years old. So they were all out partying, and I was out, I wanted to go, but I couldn't go because they were all, everybody was drinking. Nobody would serve 15-year-old kids, so they took pity on me and bought me a pony keg. And uh, anyway, I got inebriated, and somebody had some movies that were not movies that should be shown publicly. <laughs> and I decided I wanted to show them publicly, so I showed them on the down on the facade of the biggest store in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. And my school did not appreciate that. <laughs> so. I was 15. Mom and Dad had mortgaged their house to get me up there. I didn't dare go home and tell them I got kicked out of school. <laughs> so I just slept from bed to bed for uh, two years, oh, wow. two and a half years, telling Mom and Dad I was still going to school. And then whenever I got old enough to get into the service, I joined the service because I knew my dad would, it would be okay with my dad. I went into service. So it was my that was my out to be able to get back. So I did that. And... Uh, I went into the service and I had some experiences in the service. I was first assigned to Crete and I was assigned there. The big thing there, I was there whenever the Liberty incident happened. That was, the Liberty was the sister ship to the Pueblo. They did the same thing that I did and that was um, monitoring and intercepting foreign radio communications, communication from foreign, foreign, foreign military and uh, diplomatic entities and determining their value. Anyway, the Liberty was uh, the ship of Pueblo, but that was attacked. And what a lot of people don't know is it was attacked by the Israelis, as wait, opposed wait, to... What year was that, Dave? Oh, God. Now you caught me. That was <laughs> 19... And it was in the 80s. I don't remember. When that, when that attack happened? In the it was in the in the spring in the okay. 1980s. But that's the, but that's not when you were there though, right? You weren't there during that attack. No, I, no, I wasn't there during during that attack. I was there whenever they were uh, they were still repairing the ship because they had taken the ship and hidden it. Okay. okay. Off the southern coast of of Crete because I didn't want the American public to see even to see it. Gotcha. And so they hid it there, and they were down there. I guess about five years fixing it wow. well enough to bring it back home. Anyway, then I w went to uh, uh, to Vietnam and had some experiences there, and then um, I went went came and I started back to school uh, in uh, Kentucky, and I went from there to New York. And at New York, I was recruited by NSA, and it was kind of 
kind of almost out of the movies kind of a thing. I get this letter, this letter in my mailbox, and in the letter was a ticket to Baltimore. Nothing else but an airplane ticket to Baltimore. No, no. Was letter? it one way or round trip? It was round trip. Oh, that's good. News. Interesting. So and they and so I said, uh, you know, I was a kid. You know, I was twenty. I was because tw- uh, I was only like twenty-two years old. And so I decided, well, God, yeah, a trip to Baltimore. Well, I'll go to Baltimore. To Not, I've never been to Baltimore before, so I flew to Baltimore and got there. And they, I was met at the airport, and there were four other guys that were there, and they all same thing. So this guy had to hold out a sign with our names, and he, we got in the car, and he took us to this ran down fleet trap. I mean, it was a fleet trap hotel, nasty hotel. <laughs> God, scary. Anyway. And next thing I know, next morning they come and pick us up, and they take us to Fort Meade in Maryland. And so let me back up just for a second. So you, so you get an envelope with a ticket <clears throat> to Baltimore with no idea why you're going to Baltimore. Right, right. And all and all four of you showed up. Right, four of us showed up, but, but I don't know. We don't know the other guys. They weren't from Buffalo. I have no idea where, who, how, how they were picked. What What did you do to attract their attention to even give you a ticket to Baltimore? I think what it was because I did. I, whenever I was in the Air Force, um, I was detached to NSA. Okay. And so NSA has a. There, there. What a lot of people don't realize is that in in the military's classification system, you have comp, confidential, secret, and top secret. Most people think that's all there is, but there are higher levels. And, and have, for the listeners that don't know, NSA is the yeah. National Security Agency? Right. It's okay. the National Security Agency, and they are tasked with all communications. So they, they cover all communications in defense of the United States. So, so you said that you got these three classifications, the top being top secret, but you, there's higher than that. There's higher than that. Were you higher than that? Yes. You were higher than top secret? Yes. If we finish this show, do you have to kill me? No. Okay, good. <laughs> but I, I, I can tell you that the, the, you, have, you have top secret, you have top secret category one, top secret category two, top secret category three. Wow. Top secret category three code word, which is what I was, and then you have uh, um, s- uh, Silver Crown, which is Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Golden Eagle, which is the President himself. So oh, wow. you were two steps down from the same security the President of the United States had. I was at th- actually three steps down because above me was the, the uh, was uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretary. Wow. So I'm just going to go on record. <clears throat> Last week we had Dr. Isaacson, which you know him from Gears. Right. So when we mentioned your name, he said you were a badass. And, and <laughs> yeah, he was like, I don't know if I can say like, this on the radio. Like, you may have to bleep to. this out, Amanda. <laughs> but, but for the fact that your secret, your your clearance level was just a couple down from the president, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. What did you do to get to that position? He opened an envelope. They took him a ticket to Baltimore. What got their <laughs> attention with you? Well, I, well, because I, I had worked with them. See, whenever I military intelligence at the time I was in, there were it was collected by the Navy, the Army, and the Air Force. The Ar- the Navy was connected. Uh, they did this uh, radio intercept and and electronics intercepts off of ships 
and that was the Naval Security Group. It was a very small group. Smaller even than them was ASA, the Army Security Agency. They did the same thing that we that 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 all of us did again, intercept and, and analysis. But by far the largest was United States Air Force Security Services. While we were in those commands, when we reported them, every one of us were detached to the National Security Agency, and we directed and our all our communications went directly to the, to the what they call DERNSA. It's director of National Security Agency. Okay. So that's how the NSA knew about me because I had been working with them in the service, and also because in order to get my clearance, the level at my my level clearance, they they have to go back twelve generations. The FBI has to has to go back twelve generations and check to make sure that there was nobody in that twelve generation period that had any anti-American activity. Wow. 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 How old were you when this all happened, Dave? Around well, 22, I think, right? I, I was out of the service when I was 21. Okay. So all this occurred before I turned 21. Oh, wow. Okay. So so you did a little bit in the service, <laughs> 21 years old, you're out of the service, and this happens, except after this happened, then they sent you back to Vietnam, right? No, no, I wouldn't be, I went to Vietnam beforehand yeah i went to service when i was 18 i was in crete and then I, for the normal tour of duty in crete was is two years but for some reason i was there only 11 months and then i was sent to vietnam and i spent the rest of my time in vietnam so you were in vietnam in your late teens early 20s right i was i started i started taking over command function of the aircraft that when in, whenever i turned 20. Wow. Yeah, that's really impressive. Wow. So I know that if listeners go back to podcast number nine, which was a year ago. Wow. <laughs> a year ago. That's cool. Um, Kicking Cancer had met you. We had said some things to work together. We'll get more of that here in a minute. But then uh, I kind of lost track of where you were at. So I told your story based on some things that you wrote mm -hmm. down. Um, but I was hoping that maybe you could kind of walk us through some of these events that I told. I know Amanda's kind of looking forward to this. Yes. Um, because you had mentioned the fact that you were sent on the uh, 6,994th Security Squadron. Was that the, that was your group that went to Vietnam? Yeah, it was 694th Security Squadron, and um, we we were. Um, it was the, I don't know, 11th Air, I think it was the 11th Air Force. It's a long thing. But anyway, yeah, it was 694th, but they had detachments. And and 694th was uh, in Saigon. That's where I first started. And, and, you, I was, and you went through some, some more training in Vietnam when you got there, right? Right. What, what did you go through in Vietnam? What training did you have in Vietnam? Well, uh, before, before, even before I got to Vietnam, I did water survival, and I did... Special survival, uh, did special training in intelligence, and then I was sent to and did the POW camp. I did escape and evasion. I did basic air crew training, did water survival. I did jungle survival. I did special weapons training, all before I got to Vietnam. How how long of training was that? To was it pretty intense? Oh yeah, it's, it was intense, particularly the POW camp because they. <laughs> 
what they do because they they was they took us up on the Canadian border, and this is funny. I, I thought it was so funny because I'm out there. I know I'm going to Vietnam, and I I went up there in. February and it's snowing, and I'm thinking, <laughs> why am I going through this? This is, this is nowhere nothing. But like they're saying, know. nope, you have to have this basic training. So they put us out in the field. They, they go through classes, and then they they put you out in the field for your graduation exercise. And that is, you have to escape and evade because you've been shot down. Theoretically, you've been shot down. So you're put out there with one potato raw, one raw turnip. And one raw piece of meat, one inch square. That's all you're given. And you're given a, a parachute that has already been popped. Wow. Simulate that you landed on the ground with your parachute open. Mm-hmm. And you, then you are, you, we have, it's a, a, a seven-day exercise, and you have to meet the underground, supposedly that's going to work you to freedom. So you have to meet them at certain times. You have to approach them in a certain way with certain signals so and live off the land and meet, meet the goal. But what they didn't tell us is that the rangers out of whichever fort is up there in Washington, their graduation exercise was to catch us. Oh! Oh, my goodness. So, so you were playing catch oh. and release but didn't realize it. Right, and we didn't realize it. All we knew is they were really, really, really catching, you know, coming after us, and we were hiding and trying to make our, our things. And, and, you know, they simulated with machine gun fire and, and, you know, the whole nine yards. So back just for a second. So your graduation exercise was to, to live off the land based upon the fact you got parachuted in with the parachute but, and to find these people you're supposed to connect with. Right. But you didn't know that their exercise was to find you. No. But they knew their exercise was to find you. Right. They knew that if they didn't find, if they didn't capture somebody, that they were going to be recycled back through. So if they didn't find you, they had to take basic all over again. Yeah. That's kind of motivation to find you. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. finding you. Wow. Yeah. And our motivation was, if we got caught, we had to be recycled, which put us back into the POW camp. Holy this is a very interesting game they put you guys yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you were like 20 years old when you were playing this game. I was 19, 19. when I played that game. Wow. And I'll tell you that POW camp, after less than a day, <laughs> you think you're there. Yeah. Because they were realistic. It, it, I mean, they yeah. beat up on you. They did nasty things. You know, they they did they, they they tortured us just the same as the Vietnamese would torture us, and they really tortured you. So you knew what, you knew what to expect. Well, and I made this comment when I was sharing your story, and I I know more about the story now than when we told it before. But if you're gonna if you're gonna simulate that you're being a POW, you have to make it like you really are, which... Yeah, and what they do is, how they get you, what they do is you go through the classroom thing, and then you go to bed, and then about 3 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, this gong starts going up, and they're yelling, hurry, get up, get up, get up, get up, form up, form up. So you form up, and they run us for, like, until the sun comes up, and you're dead tired, and then they tell you, okay... Go on and go across that field, and and then you go to breakfast. Well, little do we know, we get over, and just as you're climbing over top of this fence, a machine gun opens up. At least it's, it's the sound of a machine gun. Scares the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ended up crushing myself on the fence because I was halfway over the fence. Oh, wow. So I kind of rolled off the fence, and then all these mortar rounds start going off, off with the explosions, and you got to work your way around there. And then at the very end... They have triple Constantine wire, 
And by then, you're dead tired. You know, you've ran for so long. You're tired. You got woke up. And you have to crawl through triple Constantine wire, and they've got guys standing at the other end. As soon as you get through the other side, they throw a bag over you, and they tell you you have been captured by the People's Liberation Army. And they throw a burlap bag over top of your head, and they grab you by the thing, and they say, from now on, you are an animal, and you will do as you are told. Wow. And with that, they take you, and all you remember, you stand in line, and it's colder, and the sun is gone. And next thing you know, there's a light. You can see, feel the light. You can't see it, but you know there's a light through this burlap thing. And all of a sudden, this burlap bag gets ripped off, and there's this guy standing here with this. All I remember is this red hat with a red star, I mean a white, uh, green hat with a great big red star on it. And bang, he slams me in the side of my face, knocks me down on the ground, kicks me picks me up, sits me down, and he says, okay, now, what kind of aircraft were you on? And we had been trained in our, in our thing to, of course, give him no information. So I wouldn't give him any information, name, rank, and serial number. So he beat up on me some more. And he goes out, and this other guy comes in. And this other guy comes in, and he looks at me, comes over, and he, said, he says, oh, you got some dirt on you. He brushed me off, and he sits me down, and he, he says, you want something to drink? And by then, I hadn't drank anything. I wanted something to drink. So he pours this nice, tall glass of water. And he says, here, here's some water for you. So I go and take the water. And he says, well, you know, I know you're pretty tired. I can tell that just by looking at you. You know, I just get, got need to get a little bit of information from you. And, and there's nothing really any significance. So just, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, where were you born? You know, where you, uh, where'd you do your training? And... You know, what field did you fly out of? Did you have any friends with you? How many aircraft went with you? And I wouldn't give him any information. I gave him a ring, ring, cell number. And then he says, I got to have something. You know, you don't want the other guy to come back in here because you know how he's going to be. And, you know, you got to give me something because if you don't give me something, they're going to send the other guy in. He said, I don't know. And I said, you know, he gave him a name, ring, cell number. He said, well, okay. Wait a minute, I just got to go in and, and use the bathroom. And he walks out this door, and all of a sudden that door flies open, and this big guy comes in again. Bang, 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 bang. I'm getting beaten up again. <laughs> how, how old are you now, Dave? 19. No, I mean, currently, currently, how are you now? I am 70. So this happened 50 years ago. Yeah. You are telling this to us like it happened yesterday. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember it. <laughs> Were you? This happened 50 years. I mean, oh, yeah. Obviously, this made a big impression. Oh, yeah. yeah, it makes a big impression on you. Now, did you know, like, okay, they're not going to actually kill me because this is a game? But... No, we didn't know that because before, uh, after they go through this thing, they send you to, they put you in this building and they put you in this little closet and it's like, I'm only five foot seven, and it was small enough I had to duck down to get into it. And inside of it, they had, it was about a foot and a half deep. And inside of it, they had a tree limb that had been cut down, and the, the branches had been cut so that they were like spikes almost. So you couldn't yeah. sit on it, you couldn't stand, and then they shut the door. So you got this thing pushing on you, and you're standing there like this, and they leave you there. No water or anything they, until they figure everybody's dehydrated. And then they come and they open up the door and they pull out this 50-gallon can of soup. And then three guys come out over and they pee in the soup. And then they open up the doors and they have everybody come out. And they strip you naked 
and they stand there, and of course they make fun of uh, the of the gentile. Yeah, they can tell why the Americans are so weak, weak because look what they what it is that they have have that makes the their, them you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like that. So everybody knew what they did, so nobody would would drink the stuff. So they put us back in the thing, and then the next morning they're marching us out with their bags over our heads, and all of a sudden you hear. A 45 go off. He said, well, you're yelling first. Then a 45 goes off, and everybody's wondering what the heck's going on. And then the guy says, uh, animal number 27 didn't do as he was told, and now you, he doesn't have to worry about doing anything anymore. And all you, and they walk you, and all you see, because you can see underneath, out of the bags, is the ground is, is red. And by then you show, thought, sure as hell they shot that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From there, they load you up, and then they, uh, this is nighttime, well, evening time, they load you in the back truck, and then they take you, and just like on Stalag 13 uh, on Hogan Service, that's what you saw, this prisoner war camp with the spotlights and the guard towers with bob wire around it. They put us in this uh, Quonset hut. And you're, and you're still in training right now. Oh, yeah. This is still training. So we have a second half of the show. Yes. And we're going to pick, but we need to pick up this yeah. because we need to get you eventually get you to Vietnam. I'm so, we have left training story, I we just, left training we don't yet. have enough time. But we need we, to do I, several I segments. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. A huge shout out to our sponsor of this first half, which is Oddmo's Pizza. Make sure to go down and get your guys self some lunch or dinner. And we'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. 